Hello, hello. What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast. And you know what we do here. We cover everything going on in the Stacks ecosystem. And it's been a crazy week in crypto for sure. There was just some absolute madness that happened. But I'm not going to lie. I'm as bullish as ever on Stacks, especially because when something like this happens, it seems to be, I'm new to crypto, but people start to realize the actual strength of Bitcoin, and they kind of like uh, fade off some of those boomer coin uh, narratives, and Stacks are just going to eat up a lot of that. But anyways, anyways, today I have a fantastic guest on the show, Alex Chizik. Alex is the head of listings and community at OKCoin. And uh, super, super fascinating conversation, super interesting guy. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. Ibida, which I just love that Twitter handle. It's super strong. Uh, he, he locked it down. But we cover a lot. We cover uh, some of the Ukraine-Russia bullshit war, and uh, he has a Ukrainian background, and I've been following that somewhat closely. I wanted to get his perspective, and he had some point of views that I haven't heard before, so that was interesting. Um, his previous work was as a, a strategist, and he spent some time at Microsoft doing strategy work. And so I was curious about, in the fast-moving kind of like uh, ecosystem of crypto, how does someone build good strategy? How do you how do you understand where the puck is going to make those those smart bets? And he, he had some interesting answers there. Uh, we also talk about exchanges, the evolution of the exchange, kind of more specifically. You know, we're seeing OKCoin, Coinbase. They're not just places to list anymore. Um, and you can go and exchange your tokens, but they're bringing in things like NFTs. So we're seeing what an exchange is expand. And so I, I asked him that question and curious about the evolution of exchanges, where exchanges going, that kind of thing. And a bunch more. Super wide-ranging conversation. As usual, I try to hit him with these great questions. Debatable how well I did. But uh, I, I enjoyed this one. So I appreciate Alex coming on the show. And let me not talk anymore. Let's just jump right in to this conversation with Alex Chizik, Head of Listings and Community at OKCoin. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. Alex, how are you doing today, my man? Good, how are you? I am fantastic, fantastic. Excited to have you on. Um, you know, you're you're a big player at OKCoin. Bitcoin Odyssey, big news. There's, there's a ton of stuff to talk about. But I'm not sure a lot of my audience in the stacks community really knows about you. So mm-hmm. I'd love to just start with some of the basics and, and maybe just a brief background of, uh, of your history. Sure. It was a warm March night when a baby Alex <laughs> was born. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm a, I'm a head of listings here at OKCoin. Just to do a quick plug for, for OKCoin is uh, look, you know, we're, we're a U.S. licensed exchange our sister company is OKX, second biggest in the world. Uh, for me, the biggest thing is to list really solid coins. So really solid projects have always stood behind stacks, as I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of the stacks, the Bitcoin Odyssey work that we do, the stacks work that we do. We're the first ones to list stacks, the first ones to list Miami coin, your coin, 
uh, big fans of Arcadico, Alex, all the other major projects coming up of Stacks. And a lot of the projects that come across our way, for me and my team, we look at it, especially from the Stacks ecosystem, <clears throat> very solid projects. We want to end up listing them. Before OKCoin, my path in and out of crypto is, is a little uh, is a little interesting. I was actually born in Ukraine. Uh, so it's very, the, the times are currently very prescient uh, for at least me, my background and for crypto. And then I, uh, I went to business school. I did consulting at the Boston Consulting Group. I did a lot of tech work uh, after business school and then went on to Microsoft. When I was at Microsoft, it was 2016. I was in the strategy team looking at all the you know, latest and greatest tech. Uh, stumble upon blockchain in 2016. I guess it wasn't the, it's fairly latest for Microsoft, right? 2016. It wasn't an OG uh, like the 2009 and 10 folks, but I was early enough where I thought, man, this is. I remember Ethereum at 10. I remember Bitcoin at 800 at that point, and you know, it's not it's not 25, but it's 800 still. It's still a nice price for Bitcoin. And I was looking at this thing, thinking, man, this is uh, you know, this could be the future, and fell in love with the industry ever since. I in between Microsoft and OKCoin, I spent four years running a company that ended up going public. It was a private equity-owned company. And uh, now I just came back to the industry that I love. I love crypto and I've been at OKCoin for nearly a year now. Very cool. Okay. I want to, you touched on, on Ukraine and I want to, I do want to talk sure. about that. But first, um, I want to deep dive a little bit into strategy. Cause it's a word I've heard thrown around and I, I come from like a creative background. And so in like the brand consultancy space, everyone uses st brand strategist, brand strategist. And like, everyone's got a different definition of what that means. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious when you're in a big company like Microsoft, um, first of all, what, how do you define strategy, but what does that look like within a big company like that? Yeah, so it's two good questions. I, I also see a lot of people, I, you know, for me, it's uh, having been in consulting. The other word for me is consultant. Everyone's a consultant and everyone's a strategist. And they're, they're the most meaningful and meaningless terms out there, especially because they're so easy to use. And so everyone throws around strategy. But I, I would argue that strategy fundamentally, at its core, if I would distill it to one thing, strategy fundamentally is you choose a certain path and through that path, you necessarily choose not to do something else, okay? So, for example, um, a lot of uh, big corporations go out and say, uh, let, let's take a, a, hard, a wallet, okay? Let's say, or or a, let's take an exchange, right? And the exchange can go out and say, we're going to be, our strategy is to be the top retail exchange out there. With also the with institutional great tools, so institutions can jump on board as well. It's not a strategy, either retail or your institution. So the strategy basically says you have to have the guts to say, I believe in a certain path, which necessarily means that I'm going to actively choose not to do another good path, right? Because I'm choosing A over B. Everything else of how you get there and what you do is tactics. But many people land in, uh, or end up in no man's land because they don't know how to say no to a good option. And you're just trying to you know, grab as much off the board. And when you're scattered, that's not a strategy. You, you literally end up in no man's land, right? It's like, you know, good. Do you watch football? Are you a football guy? Not a lot. What, what's your sport? Uh, lately, I've been so busy. Not much, but I'm a, I'm, <laughs> a, like, I'm a Blazers fan, so basketball. Okay, basketball. All right, all right. So it's like, okay, so like, basketball is actually a little harder, but 
It's like, you know, <laughs> you get a whole bunch of six foot two guys, right? No one's playing wing. No one's playing center. They're all great athletes, right? But it's, it's about putting your pieces together in such a way that you're going to say, hey, I'm going to choose a seven, you know, a six foot eight center instead of this other guy who's a great guard because we have more guards, right? Or because we want to be, a, you know, big man oriented, a big woman oriented, let's say. That's strategy, right? It's not just being in the middle of no man's land with a bunch of good athletes that can do a whole bunch of things. That lend, that doesn't typically end up uh, in a good place. So that's when I think of when I think of strategy. Okay. And I heard a definition of creativity as the ability to see. Yeah. And yeah. and when I'm when I'm hearing you talk about what strategy is, I think one of the elements that seems tricky is you have to know you have to have a good map of what the board is to know where the puck is going. Mm. And so how, and we can kind of jump into crypto now a little bit, crypto moves so fast. Like it's so yeah. hard, it seems like the foundation is changing every, you know, two months. And like the, the term of what a blockchain and decentralization means is changing and all these different things. How do you grasp that good picture, that ability to see where the puck is going to then formulate your strategy? Mm. It's going to be involved answer. It means it's hard because crypto does change a lot. Uh, you know, when I, I remember when I was in high school and college and I would study for tests, there would be some sections of like, I would study chemistry and I would study for tests. And I was a section of the chemistry book that was just, it was just not getting. And I would say, you know what, if I get questions on this section of the test, I'll just take that hit. I won't know the answer, but I'll remember and I'll be able to study everything else. And so that's very much my approach to crypto. I, I start prioritizing the space. Uh, but where I think I should focus on, really understand, right? And other areas where I can chase them. For me, for example, that's NFTs. I don't fully, I understand the value of NFTs. I don't understand how to value NFTs. So it's not going to be my thing. I'll have someone else help me out or have someone on my team be an expert or tell me, and I'll have to trust them for better or for worse. Because if I also go down that path and try to learn that first principles and learn all the projects, I just won't, I'll, I'll land in no man's land, right? As, as, a, as, a, as a professional. And so crypto changes so fast, but ultimately I think that there's a little bit of a misnomer in crypto that, you know, we, we typically, there's, you know, I don't know, 15, 18,000 projects out there, right? And most projects, frankly, are garbage. Um, even if you think about like the call 18,000, 17,000 of the projects are garbage, right? You have like top 20 that are solid and you have the next couple hundred that are have some you know have a there there if you will the next couple hundred might supersede these couple hundred and everything else is then it's just it's noise and or scams there are real scams out there and so i think because of this people are just typically slap crypto and tokens on different projects so for me when i look at use cases i say you know forget crypto just tell me as a five-year-old what are you trying to solve Right? Is there a problem you're trying to solve as a project? <clears throat> then does it actually need a token? Some people just put tokens just because it's easy to raise money. And you know that's not going to be ultimately tradable. And that's not going to be ultimately valuable. And the worst thing I can do is put something that's not tradable or valuable on the exchange because I think there's an implicit trust that you the customers have for OKCoin or any exchange, right? Coinbase is a prime example of this. Coinbase got hit a while ago when they started listing a whole bunch of tokens. Even recently, two weeks ago, they came up with a list of 50 tokens that they're evaluating. One was like student coin and there are, there are other ones. 
And look, it's don't take my word for it. Just like on Twitter, people are just going out and and either, you know, there's a there's a lot of Greeks that Coinbase is getting for some of the coins they put on there. And look, they might be great. They might be they might not be. I don't know half of them. And you know, good for Coinbase for finding diamonds in the rough. They think they're diamonds in the rough. You know, I might think otherwise, but you know, who am I to say the market will ultimately decide? My point is that uh, you have to kind of pick and choose. So my perspective, uh, I'm not as crypto native as some people out there that have, you know, kind of always started in crypto, been fully in crypto. I've, my experience has been drawn on maybe traditional industries. So I first come into it and I say, okay, forget crypto, forget tokens. What's the problem? What's the pain point? Right. Then I say, okay, well, does this actually need a token? If so, why does decentralization matter to solve this pain point? Right. Um, I might need decentralization in infrastructure. So I'm a big fan, for example, of the pocket network. Okay, they're they're decentralized in Fura. They're they're completely obfuscating away the middle layer, right? They're building tools, dev tools for people to, to build on in a multi-chain world. I'm a fan of that because I see that as a need. I see Chainlink as a need, right? These tools that are gonna Ave compound traditional, very solid DeFi protocols. Um, I don't know if I need ice cream coin, coin uh, ice cream cone coin, right? If buying ice cream cones, I need to have a coin for that. Probably not. So I won't list it no matter how popular that, let's say, you know, that meme gets because ultimately it's going to be a rug at the end of the day. And so, so there's a way to kind of think about these projects, I think, from first principles without being crypto native, because sometimes being crypto native blinds you, you know, you're, you really understand DeFi, you really understand the memes. But then again, we have a lot of these protocols that, you know, the founder leaves, Andre left Phantom, look what's happening with Phantom. That was a lot of question marks, right? And, and so uh, uh, sometimes when you're, when you're coming in from bottoms up, if you're really crypto heavy, you, you don't see the forest or the trees or it's easier to miss it. Um, but, but again, I'm not, you know, those people are very valuable. I have those people on my team that help me see the other perspective because I'm also missing some perspective. So I think it's a, a diverse, uh, a diverse perspective approach helps to see what's what and keep up with the constantly changing, like you said, uh, crypto landscape. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's like, it sounds like there's a good portion of it of first principle data thinking. And then just because we're so early, like intuition. And just going with your gut. Exactly. Let's let's think of the, some of the themes that are that are you know happening now. Look, Bitcoin is proven its case, right? Bitcoin is Bitcoin, it is what it is. Right. Ethereum has proven its case. Then you go into layer one of so smart contracts. I don't know which one's gonna win. I don't know what what use cases are gonna be on the more uh, centralized of the decentralized platforms like a Solana versus a more let's say decentralized. Uh, Slayer one, like let's say an avalanche, right? Both are fast, both are good, both have different uh, pros and cons. I don't know which one's going to win. Both are solid projects. Then you start looking at themes. Okay, so you got your layer ones. Let's make some, you know, uh, let's let's list those, and I think those are good. And you obviously have NFTs, but there's tons of NFTs, tons of NFT marketplaces. Then you have GameFi or Play to Earn, right? Those are interesting themes that solve a problem. Instead of me paying to play, especially in the third world. I can get paid to play. Then it's, if we believe in this world of multiple chains and I don't know who's going to win, we need picks and shovels. Infrastructure, right? Solid infrastructure projects, I think is, is, is the next move. And this is why I took a bet, right? 
uh, and with like pocket. And I'm taking a bet on, on people building on top of Bitcoin with stacks and with the Bitcoin Odyssey fund, because I think the market is looking the other way completely. Everyone's looking at this, you know, the, your typical smart contract players, all the VCs are chasing it. Look at, like if you talk about, if you talk to any new venture capitalist to crypto, okay, a big name that's new to crypto, they're all going to tell you, talk about Solana. Like it became a hot thing with the VC, Solana, 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 Solana. It's like a cool in-club. Oh, yeah, Solana. But they don't even understand what Solana does and why it's what it is. It just became a name. So it's the same, you know, like we had the ICO uh, FOMO in 2017 or retail just aping into random stuff. I see VCs aping into random stuff as well, especially people who don't understand crypto or are new. They were told Solana. Okay, so everybody talks about Solana. But Solana is great, but what if Avalanche is better? You know, what if Phantom is better? Who knows? What if Near is better? Um, and so you have to kind of think of the whole perspective. Then there's the other stuff that's just like, for example, there's a lot of um, uh, a lot of hype around tokenizing carbon credits, right? And this is where I go back and I say, okay, well, what problem does decentralization tokenomics? What does it solve for carbon credits? Provenance on the chain, yeah, I could see that. That's that's good, right? That's more about transparency where the credit came from. Done doesn't necessarily have to be decentralized. Having a DAO which you can potentially have governance in and burn some of the carbon credits and actually give people control, yeah, that's a use case. Is that a big enough use case to you know have five or six of these projects that are popping up everywhere? I don't know, right? So I'm, for example, that part of the market, even though I deeply understand it, this is where I my background has been in renewable energy before crypto, before tech, I don't know if it's necessarily a place to take a bet on, even from a listings perspective now, because I don't know if, if crypto or decentralization is it's solving the biggest pain point, right? It's solving a pain point or two, but not the biggest one. So I'm a little bit skeptical of that part of the market, right? Until I see a little bit more traction. So hopefully that helps kind of explain to you how at least I'm starting to think about when I evaluate the market, where I, you know, how I look at it and where I think. No, that that does, and it, I definitely you'd see that a lot. Where like, because crypto is so hot right now, and there's so much VC money coming into it, everyone wants to take that crypto hammer and become the nail. And their problem is the nail, um, and a lot of times it's just not it's not really needed. Um, but one of the things that did strike me as interesting about a good use of this was mm-hmm. Ukraine, because you have a Ukrainian background. My fiance is Ukrainian, and one thing that really caught me off guard was early on seeing the Ukrainian Twitter account be so crypto native and asking for, for funds to, to fund some of the humanitarian effort. And there was one moment where they, they posted about an airdrop and wallet collection. And as soon as it did that, there was like a super huge spike in donations. And it's partially sad because you're seeing people be greedy and what's in it for me I, I, on one side. But it also got money to be used in a good in a good effort, and I'm just curious from your perspective as someone who's more involved in that. Um, maybe it's more intimate to you. How do you how do you view Ukraine's use of crypto uh, to to sustain their their effort? Yeah, look, I think it's a great question, and uh, <clears throat> I want to give you an impartial answer because everything inside of me, right, schemes yeah use ukraine as a use case and because i'm biased i want the space to win right i'm implicitly biased 
I, I will say this, the Ukraine-Russia situation, along with the Canadian situation, I think, in, in, in a very unbiased perspective, I think this is very powerful. I actually did a podcast. I have my own podcast that I do called the Hardcore Finance Show uh, with our uh, head of growth, Shimon. And uh, we recorded a podcast on this yesterday. So I don't know who's going to come up first. Maybe yours, maybe ours, but maybe you might alpha leak us here. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll use, I'll use we, we talked about this quite, quite at length. I think the whole Ukraine-Russia is going to be a major bull case for crypto for many reasons, right? It's, look, it's terrible. The humanitarian uh, crisis is terrible. The war is terrible. Uh, I'm not going to focus on that here. I'll just focus on a very narrow case uh, of crypto because we can talk at nauseum about that and geopolitics. And, and I don't think we're going to get anywhere. But for viewers, if you guys care, please, there's you know, donate. There are many organizations. I'm sure we can link some below uh, in, in the pod, but, you know, people people are suffering. I think there's the kind of, the you know, the, the offensive and defensive side of why this is a bull case. And, and the offensive side is when you're in a crisis and you're in a war, you're going to want to, it's like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Safety and, and just the ability to live is your mo- the basic hierarchy. And so you're going to do the, the thing that's going to keep you alive in the most optimal way. And for Ukraine, it was collecting money, right? Yes, cash donations. And you, what's a way to donate to Ukraine now is, or before crypto, you go to the Red Cross, let's say, you go to an organization, you donate to that organization. It takes, call it right away if it's in the US with Venmo. That's the optimal scenario. If not, you it takes days. If you do it on Friday in the weekend, the banks don't work over the weekends, you, you get on Monday. So you're losing, you know, Friday afternoon, Saturday, Sunday, you're losing two and a half days. Two and a, in the first two and a half days of the war, this is five thousand deaths. Okay. Just just to frame it, right? What two and a half days is. It's cooled down now. Five thousand deaths. Right? Five thousand people. So two and a half days is nothing to sneeze at. In the traditional banking system, it's uh, it's terrible. Two and a half days, by the way, and as we talk about, a couple of these collections of you know ten by two and a half days, you get your month, your month of which no one's talking about, or very few people are talking about, of uh, of planting wheat in the fields. Right, you miss it by a month. Millions, literally, of people in Africa go into famine this summer. Okay, because they're dependent on on Ukrainian and Russian wheat. So these things matter. It's not, you know, it's all nice to say we're sitting here in the U.S. and you know, and some of these politicians, some people that talk, uh, you know, that are against crypto, like oh, Venmo works, oh, PayPal works, Cash App works in the U.S. They do, but actual true money transfers, two and a half days is little life or death for millions of people out there in the world. And we are very, and it frustrates me because we are so, you know, privileged. Uh, and frankly, this is like the opposite, the, the bad side of woke, that we, we don't, we're so privileged, we cannot unsee the world as it is now, where people in, in the third world, right, uh, outside of the U.S. actually feel this acutely, um, feel this acutely. And as a side note, I was, you know, I went to business school, I went to the Northwestern Kellogg, I just had my 10-year uh, reunion. I was talking to a good friend of mine from Venezuela. He's a pretty wealthy family in Venezuela, lots of business. He's asking me, 
he's like, hey, can you help me uh, with onboarding crypto payments? Because he's like, in Venezuela, we are, people are so deep into crypto because of the instability in the government. He's like, I need to be able to take crypto payments for my company. So not you know fiat payments using crypto rails, crypto payments. So back to Ukraine, Russia, right? Um, uh, in Ukraine, Russia, Ukraine is asking for payments as fast as possible. And that network is the crypto or Bitcoin network, right? Crypto, primarily Bitcoin with Lightning. That's, to, that's you know, the fastest one with uh, the least amount of slippage uh, or price act or price uh, fluctuation right now. If you want to go from like stable or fiat to crypto to back to fiat. But also there was a, there was a lot of discussions with the Ukrainian folks like, well, okay, you got to, you know, the, the naysayers are like, well, when you see you receive crypto, you have to convert it to fiat. You got to go to ATM. ATM takes a five or 6% hit. Not necessarily. You can then pay in crypto. A lot of the vendors in Ukraine actually accepting crypto as payments. So you get it within 10 minutes. On Lightning, you get it within seconds. You And you use it, right, to buy stuff. That's the pro side. The con side is you have Russian oligarchs that are sanctioned, who's you're getting billions of dollars taken away from them. Not like, you know, us, I, I get a couple million. If, if I get a couple million, I'm like, oh my God, a couple million, it's amazing. These guys have billions getting taken away from them, right? Your, you know, $100 million yacht just got seized. You know they're going to want to find the best way of hiding their money. They're going to. It's just inevitable. And every single intelligence agency, the U.S. Treasury, you know, the, the, uh, the Federal Reserve, the European Central Bank, even though they want it to be the case, are coming out saying they are not using crypto as a way to avoid sanctions. You know, if crypto was the best thing to do to avoid sanctions, you better believe they would use the best thing out there to avoid sanctions. It's, in fact, the dollar. It's, in fact, real estate, which they're using. They're trading London real estate for Dubai real estate, right? It's the exact same systems that we have now are being used to avoid sanctions and to protect uh, their wealth when they want to go outside the system. Why? Because crypto is transparent. And so, and frankly, there's not enough liquidity to hide that much in the crypto markets today, right? Maybe in 20 years, there will be, but not, there is not, that's not the case today. So you're talking about, on one hand, people, you know, thousands, if not millions of lives are dependent on getting the payments to them in a split second. And then they turn to the most efficient thing to do that, which is crypto. On the other hand, these, you know, the, the, the oligarchs want to preserve their wealth and preserve their yachts and all that. So they're trying to turn to the most efficient way of doing that. And that's not crypto. You know, so the, the biggest talking points against crypto for the last couple of years have been China owns it. China banned mining, they moved to the US, that's gone. ESG, which is stubbornly persistent, even though that's wrong, but you know, facts are stubborn things. So that will be, that will go away. Okay. And it's already going away, especially because in you know, Texas, they're using renewables and so on. And all the public mining companies are open about it. So that's going to go away. That it's used for illegal activities. This is Elizabeth Warren talking point and that, you know, uh, uh, oligarchs are using this to avoid sanctions. Not true. We're literally seeing that's not true. This is, this is the biggest geopolitical conflict right since world war ii this is it's not like it's not like until some some sort of little war somewhere that hurts people and i'm not trying to diminish war but is on a small scale this is a nuclear power you know 
essentially fighting with the West. And Vietnam, this is bigger than Vietnam, right? This is bigger than uh, this is bigger than a lot of the wars in the in the Middle East in terms of nuclear potential, right? Uh, in terms of that kind of devastation that this can cause. So, and they're not they're not using crypto to avoid sanctions. On the other side, with you know the Ukrainians are using crypto to help people. So I I don't see a more macro bull case when all the dust settles, right? And we look back at this, we're like, holy shit! Everything that these crypto jerks told us that's going to happen is actually happening in the way they said it was going to happen. Now what, right? Like it's like now what's the use case against it? The FUD is going to be it's going to be gone, and then when people figure this out and regulation comes, I think we need regulation in order to just ease the Wall Street markets and then the Wall Street players, I think it's going to be a flood of money coming in. I talked a lot. I'm going to pause, but I hope some <laughs> of this resonated. Uh, I'm sure it did. And thank you for that. Um, the the interested conversationalist to me wants to go down seven different rabbit holes, but my podcast besides says get back on a different topic, maybe Bitcoin Odyssey. Sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rein myself in, but there's there's like seven different interesting things that you said there. Um, but yeah, I want to switch to Bitcoin Odyssey. When that was announced, I think all of Stacks was like, oh my, like it was like trust machines and Bitcoin Odyssey announcements were like in like a three week period. And we're like, this is the second coming. Like Stacks is here. <laughs> we've, we've been waiting so long for this day. And then of course, it's just back to like build mode. Like, you know, yeah. price action doesn't move, but people keep on building. It is what it is. Um, yeah, I'd love to just get a little bit of backstory of that. Like, how long were you guys thinking about doing this? Um, and like, I think the press release is kind of interesting that you could hear some of it. But how how is it actually working now that we're two months in? Um, you know, working in this joint combo between you and I believe Stacks Ventures, right? Yeah. So um, uh, about what was it uh, at, at our Basel in Miami? Brittany is the head of the Stacks Foundation. Uh, Mitchell does a lot of growth and partnerships for them. So me and the Stacks Foundation, Kyle and Trevor run the Stacks Ventures. Uh, and I remember we, we met and we just talked and we just kicked around the idea of being closer partners. And then later on, we had a we were in the meeting room with me, Kyle, uh, Mitchell, and some people from my team in New York who were just talking about, you know, as part of our, here, we're listing this, what's coming on the pipe for you guys. And and then we said, you know what? Why don't we, why don't we come up with a way to accelerate the Stacks ecosystem? Because we we all believe in it. And, and you know, the interest for me from an Oakland Coin perspective is, if I can get a front row seat, some of the projects that are listing on Stacks, it helps me evaluate those projects from a listing perspective, right? It helps me see and say, are these projects real or not? Who are the t- teams? Can they actually build? Because again, what I don't want to do is put a project up the rugs, right? God forbid. God forbid I do that, I should be fired. Um, and and or just like bleeds out and doesn't go anywhere. And I really stand by those words. Like I should not have my job if, if I, or I'm not doing it right um, if if that that's what happens. And so yeah, I remember Kyle being very, very open to this. And so was Mitchell. Like, okay, let's put some thoughts on paper. And then within three months, we got this thing going. We raised 170 million towards building on stacks. And our goal was hundred million. We're like, let's go for something crazy, hundred million. Because, you know, everyone's looking the other way. No one's looking at stacks. And we started pitching. We came up to 
blockchain ventures, which is groups between OKCoin and OKX, which is the global exchange. It's our venture arm. And we're like, hey guys, look, you know, everyone's looking one way. No one's looking at Stacks. Stacks is kind of ready for prime time. Big there were issues that Stacks had to work out. It's the first year of at scale Stacks. No mempool issues. There were microblock issues. There were you know congestion issues. It's natural. You know, Stacks has worked it out. It's secured by Bitcoin. Proof of transfer, which is the fundamental Stacks protocol, helps things like Miami Coin and others being built. Right? It creates multi-layer stacking. So if I build um, my ice cream cone coin on top of Miami coin, you know, I can stack mine and get Miami coin. I stack Miami coin, get stacks, I stack stacks and get Bitcoin. So I get a quadruple stacking tier, right? That I earn rewards and ultimately earn Bitcoin for, which is quite powerful. If you think about it, it's very, it's quite powerful. It's not easy to do yet. So there's a wallet out there, guys, that wants to make it easier. And some people are working on this. I won't leak too much alpha, but there's some people are working on this. Um, it then becomes magic. So we said, hey, this is, there's 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 something interesting here. Let's do it. If we went for 100. I think within two weeks, we were like, okay, we're going for 125. Then uh, got up, up to 150, 165, which is where we closed. Since then, more people came in and we're trying to close on a couple of major, major players. Um, that are that are very interested still. So there's there are people that are still looking to add to this, and we were the first ones out of uh, outside of Trust Machines, which is Munib who started Stacks, his, his own uh, it's kind of venture studio. They fund development on Bitcoin, development on Stacks. We fund more of the go to market, right? Taking companies um, uh, from deeper than an idea, so call it seed all the way to Series C. And getting them funded for for big investors, but we have most of the major major players in the space: DCG, White Star, um, like a few others that wanted to remain private. But pretty much every major venture capital uh, player in the space is either seamless or is directly involved in this. Is there is there a single spot to know the latest like happenings, or is it kind of like when news hits, news hits? Uh, I think when news hits, news hits. You might be in a little bit of a better position to hear about what's happening uh, fairly me. soon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but actually, yeah, it's look, follow us on Twitter. You know, follow you, follow me on Twitter. Um, there are some things that when they come out, we're able to leak a little bit ahead of time, right? Uh, um, so that I think that that helps a lot. And but a lot of this stuff, like we don't want to manipulate markets. Obviously, it's it's very open, it's very fair and transparent. But for the community that cares, yeah, I think following us on Twitter, following you, following me at Mr. Ibada helps a lot because we're able to share things that we're seeing in real time when we can, right? And it's this little blurb on Twitter. It's like, hey, look out for this. And in, in retrospect, if you go back, there's some you know, uh, breadcrumbs that I've been putting together before we announced the fund about Stacks. So if you look at some of my tweets, you'll be able to see there were a couple of hints about what was, what was going to come. Uh, kind of before it came, but you really had to understand the ecosystem and know stacks and know what's what in order to get there. Perfect. Okay. I got one last question. I want to be respectful of your time. There's been some big announcements from you guys and Coinbase where you're kind of evolving into not just a token listing, but you're doing NFTs now too. And I think we're, we're kind of seeing the evolution of exchanges where they might become like the central home for 
easy onboarding for kind of like the crypto curious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious how you see that evolution where first, why NFTs? Like, why not just let OpenSea do their thing? Um, but then it, in tandem with that, like, how do you see the evolution of exchanges going forward? Do, do you think that kind of hypothesis of like them being the first touch point for people who are like, I don't understand crypto and someone just says, okay, cool, just go down this app and they'll, they can get you 90% there in one application. Do you, do you see that being the role of exchanges going for forward? Sure. For sure, for sure. Or wallets or trusted third parties. Uh, we In, I think, five, 10 years for sure, we're not going to talk about crypto anymore. It's like we talk about tech. What's a tech company? You know, before it was Google and Microsoft and Amazon, Facebook. It's like, is Amazon a tech company? No, you know, they're, they're a logistics company, right? It's like, I remember you know, 2012, 2013, let's go to tech, let's go to Uber. Now it's just like, it's Uber. It's a car share company that's built on tech. Crypto is going to be the base layer that everyone's going to build on. And it's not going to be about using crypto or not. It's going to be, can you provide a service, right? Can you provide a user experience that obfuscates all the hard parts of crypto, NFTs and so on. So look, Coinbase did an interesting thing. Coinbase is doing two interesting things, actually, in my in my mind. One is the NFT space when they're making it kind of the Instagram of NFTs. It's not just buying and selling; it's commenting and showcasing. Uh, the other one is the institutional play where they're creating crypto as a service. So any any you want to onboard, you want to do custodial, you want to accept payments, come up, you know, come to us as Coinbase, and we'll take care of all that for you. Very powerful, very powerful move. If I'm honest, right? Like they're a competitor, but hats off to them. Uh, because I think once you lock in, once you provide these services, it becomes very sticky. You don't want to leave once you're used to a certain UI, a flow, a level of a service level, um, and, and, and product feature level. So, Hey, I can do this, this, and this. I'm going to, I need to do at least those things at different exchange for me to be able to move over. Right. And so that's the segment of the market they're going after, but fairly you know expensive or much cheaper than coinbase in terms of our fees fees are a tenth of coinbase's fees if not more uh, depending on the tier you are within coinbase <clears throat> so uh so it's just a different play in the market but for sure in the future you know it's going to be obfuscated about what this is crypto is hard to use private key public key transaction hash like you know 12 words versus my private key what's the difference how do i get in what happens if i forget the 12 words you know i need this it's just it's a lot right it's a lot god forbid i misspell my the address that it goes to it's gone forever like how many of one of us send a tiny transaction in the beginning just to make sure it gets there before you send the big transaction right it's like yeah exactly all of us right like all of us do this why? Because God forbid we mistype the X in the middle. Even if you're copying and pasting, what if you include a space and the wallet doesn't take over the space at the end, you know, and it goes God knows where, and then it doesn't, you know, transact right away. And you're freaking out, looking at the chain explorer, like, oh, is it there? Is it not there? Is it there? Is it not there? Like, you know, like we've all done this. This needs to go away. Like your grandma is not going to go and, you know, like it's not going to go there as an 86 year old and be like, oh, did I get the space right? They can't figure out how to unspam forward emails you know this is like let alone send things to crypto wallet to crypto wallet so if we want to bring on the masses we need to make it easier and so exchanges need to do this wallets need to do this sooner or later it will just be very very easy where a lot of it will be dummy proofed for people it will check it on on uh, on the back end right that's why things like strike lightning extra great you know they're easy to use wallets where 
or at least some easier to use wallets where they're, you know, the company takes on a little bit more risk. Uh, and maybe that's the business model. You take on a little bit more risk, but your people are willing to pay for that out of the box. Like, Hey, I'm going to send it to this person that I just thinking. Perfect. Perfect answer. I like that. I can also confirm okay coins fees are super low. I, I use you guys to dollar cost average by Bitcoin. It's been fantastic. So uh thankful for that. Um any I that's all the questions I got for you. This has been excellent. Any any last closing thought before we shut it down? Yeah, I mean, buy Bitcoin, use stacks. <laughs> uh you know, the future is coming, it's coming quickly. Don't worry about the price action. So many people now that it's still so early. Like every time I think, well, no, it can't be so early. It's still so early. So many smart people that I know, just like traditionally educated, highly educated MBAs, PhDs, top universities. They're like, yeah, now I heard about this crypto thing. You know, before they were like, oh, crypto, what is that? Yeah, it's a joke. Now it's like, yeah, I've heard about it. I don't understand it at all. How do I even think about it? I'm a little skeptical. You know, when you talk to them and they're like, oh, okay, I see, I see. So there are a lot of there are a lot of people that are still completely on the fence. The one interesting macro experiment that we're going to have is this is a revolution of the small guy, so to speak, right? Of the person that's willing to take a risk. You don't need to be educated. You don't need to be a wealthy country. You just have to have conviction, right, and an open mind. And so, very soon, that's going to go away. Very soon, Wall Street is going to come in fully. Very soon, the corporates are going to come in. Is that in a year? Is that three years and five years? I don't know. But I think within five years, we're going to have the major players fully in. At that point, you don't have an edge anymore. You still have an edge now. So if you're skeptical, do yourself a life favor and just go and study Bitcoin for a little bit, right? Like go study for a little bit. Because if you are right about being skeptical, you became, you studied something, you became a little smarter. It's not really time lost. It's time spent educating yourself. That's never a bad choice. But if you're wrong about being skeptical and you miss the gigantic swing and move in value, it's, it, you, it's akin to Microsoft. It's much bigger than Microsoft missing the uh, cell phone revolution, right? It's akin to you saying, well, I don't believe in this thing called the car, so I'll just keep on riding my horse. 20 years after you know Ford came up with the automobile, you're just willing, willfully, uh, willfully uh, decreasing your position, right? Or, or decreasing your and your family's ability to preserve your purchasing power. And that's, that's a scary thought, right? That's a scary thought. It just takes 5%, one to two to three to 5% allocation on this thing in case it hits. And I can't guarantee anything. We don't know, but everything that I know and everything that I've seen and everything we talked about, especially Ukraine, Russia, if that's not a catalyst for, for using crypto, I don't know what it is. Uh, that's it. Those are my thoughts. Buy Bitcoin. Hold it. That's, I mean, the people listening to this podcast get it, but I think rehearing it makes you realize like if you, if the people you care about, if you really love them, you got to do what you can to get them to hopefully just, you know, put 20 bucks into OK yeah. coin and just having that 20 bucks, it makes you start to, it feels more tangible. You can watch it go up and down. You can you start reading news articles, and all these little things make you go, okay, what what is what the hell is money? Like what what is a pay yeah. payment rail? All these different things or the credit debt system. Like you would never ask those questions before, 
And now just because you put that 20 bucks in, I've had tons of people who are like, yeah, I'm heard about, I'm, I'm curious about ApeCoin. I'm like, well, I don't know about ApeCoin, man, but I'm glad you put in at least 20 bucks to Coinbase and you're asking these questions, you know? Yeah. Like, that's how you go down the rabbit hole. So yeah, I think that's a, that is a fantastic, fantastic way to end it. Uh, Alex, sure. Mr. Mr. Ebita, super strong name on Twitter. Uh, yeah, where can, where can people find you if they want to learn more? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, OKCoin, Alex at Chizik at OKCoin, you guys want to email me. <clears throat> and then at Mr. Ibida, E-B-I-T-D-A, at uh, Mr. E-B-I-T-D-A at, on Twitter. Perfect. All right. Thank you, my friend, for taking the time. This has been fantastic. Thank you. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way. Right here, waiting. I've been waiting now. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out.